Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, the year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We have begun Sefer Devarim last week. We are now in Parsha Ve'eschanan. Very interesting word, Ve'eschanan. What is the word Ve'eschanan? We've talked about this in previous years as well, but always is good to think about and review and to look back at the first word of the Parsha, Ve'eschanan El Hashem Be'eshahilemor. I beseeched God at that time. Of course, in the beginning of Parsha's Ve'eschanan and Perik Gimel, what is this word, V'eschanan? Moshe, Chabad.org points out, Moshe prayed, Davin, 515 tefillos, 515 prayers, the numerical value, Gematria of V'eschanan. And I beseech to be allowed to enter the land. Moshe prayed so many, so many, so many times. He wanted to go into the land so badly, so much so that Hashem used a special word, V'eschanan, in our Parsha to teach us the numerical value of how much he wanted to be in the land. 515 V'eschanan. And I beseech to be allowed to enter the land, as the Medrash Rabbah points out on Chabad. When Moshe saw that the decree had been sealed against him, he went and drew a circle and sat inside it and said, I am not moving from here until you nullify the decree. He then wrapped himself in sackcloth and covered himself with ashes and stood in prayer and supplication before Hashem until the heaven and the earth and the very laws of creation began to tremble and said, perhaps the time has come for Hashem to destroy the world. What did Hashem do at that moment? He announced that every gate of every heaven and every gate of every court that Moshe's prayer should not be admitted for the voice of Moshe's prayer was like a sword that slices and rips, which nothing can stop. Said Moshe to Hashem, if you will not allow me to enter the land, allow me to enter as a beast of the field, which grazes on the grass and drinks water and sees the world that way. Let my soul, my neshama come. Let me be one of those. Hashem said, enough. Said Moshe to Hashem, if you will not allow me to enter the land, allow me to enter as a bird that flies in the air to all four corners of the earth to collect its feed. And in the evening return to its nest. Let my soul be as one of those. And Hashem said, enough. This comes from the Yalkut Shimoni. Moshe said to Hashem, master of the universe, Yosef's bones, Atzmos Yosef, are entering the land. And I shall not enter, said Hashem to him. He who admitted to his land is buried in his land and he who did not admit to his land shall not be buried in his land Yosef admitted to his land when his master wife said to him in Bereshis when she accused him of terrible things see they have brought us a Hebrew man in every he did not deny it on the contrary he said over there I was abducted from the land of the Ivrim, from the land of the Jews. Therefore, he shall be buried in his land. You, however, Moshe Hashem says, did not admit to your land when the daughters of Yisra said to you way back in Shemos, an Egyptian man rescued us. Ish Mitzri rescued us from the shepherds. And you heard this and were silent. Therefore, you shall not cross the Yarden. You shall not cross into the land of Eretz Yisrael in the Medrash Rabbah. Moshe did so much good. He did so much terrificness 
not even a word, for the Jewish people, for B'nai Yisrael, for 40 years he led the Jewish people. He brought them the Luchos, he set up the Mishkan, he took them out of Mitzrayim, he taught them the Torah, he was the leader, he was the judge, he was the prophet, the intermediary between them and Hashem, he saved them from destruction when there was the case of the Egel Hasahav, he was the one that was involved in all of these cases, in all of these stories, in all of these accountings in the Torah, yet because he did not admit to the fact that he is an Every that he is a Hebrew person, he does not allow, he is not allowed to live and, and to be buried with his living the eternal life of his soul. The body is not allowed to go into Eretz Yisrael. And of course, he's buried in some nondescript location we don't actually ever know about somewhere in the midbar. Because if we would know about it, the sages say they would turn it into a shrine. It would not be good. Moshe is not allowed to go into Eretz Yisrael because he did not identify as the Jewish person. Interestingly, throughout the Tanakh, there are different times that different people stand up and actually identify themselves as the Ivri. Of course, we see Yosef himself standing up against the whole world, against the whole Mitzrayim. He is the only Jew in all of Egypt, in all of Mitzrayim, until he marries Asnas, who ends up being the daughter of Potiphar, supposedly, according to the sages, according to the commentary. And then he has his two kids. So him and his wife and two kids, four Jews in the entire Egypt. He is an Ivri. He stands up. He is the Hebrew. The youth, the slave that the servant of Paro calls him when Paro calls him to interpret the dreams, three derogatory terms to try to knock him down that he shouldn't be allowed to serve. He shouldn't be allowed to be king. He shouldn't be allowed to rule over the people. Derogatory, every who's not like the ways of the Egyptian, a youth who's not fit to lead and a slave, someone who's not free should not be allowed to serve. Obviously, Hashem bypassed all three roads and of course made Yosef the viceroy anyway. We know other times also... Yonah, in the story of Yonah, which is a very perplexing story, we're going to read it in a couple of months on Yom Kippur, Yonah himself runs away as, as it were, Kaviyachal, if that's even possible, of course it's not, from Hashem to not deliver the message to the people of Nineveh because he was worried if they were repenting and the Jews were not, then it would not look good for the Jews. It would be a big Chilol Hashem. Yonah tries to run away and he goes to the ship and Hashem obviously brings the reins and whatnot. They draw the straws and Yonah is the, is the, is the smallest one. They realize that there's this every, this person. He says that I am the every. It's really because of me. Throw me over the ship. Rather I die than have to deliver the message to Nineveh. And it's only a five word message, by the way. You know, old, uh, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. They literally do the tshuva and it's all different. And that was, what Yonah was worried about. But he's literally thrown over the ship and he's swallowed by this humongous fish. People say it's a whale. It could be a different type of fish, whatever the type of animal is. Yonah also, even with the difficulty of the perplexingness of the story that he runs away, Kaviyachal from Hashem, he still is the Ivri. He is the one standing against the rest of the ship, the rest of the world. He has to go deliver the message. And sages say, commentators point out, that he actually was related somehow to Elisha or Eliyahu, maybe he was a disciple or relative somehow, very interesting. And then when we think about every also, standing up for your identity, standing up for your Jewishness is the idea here. Va'et Hanan, Moshe prays 515 times it wasn't accepted because he didn't stand up as being that Jewish person. He wasn't allowed into Eretz Yisrael to live the eternal life to be buried there and for the soul to go to Hashem with the body in Eretz was not allowed. 
He had to be buried in the Midbar, outside of Eretz Yisrael, because you have to stand up for your Jewish identity. Who is the first one that stands up for the Jewish identity? The one that we are called for, that we are called the Ivram, the Jews, the Hebrews? That, of course, is Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu is, of course, one of my favorite, favorite examples of a character in all of Tanakh, all of the Torah. A fascinating character Avraham is. He's the paradigm of chesed, the paradigm of loving kindness, doing for others. Really a role model, spiritual role model, mentor for all of us. The the first of the forefathers, the first of the Avos. He is called Ivri. Why is Avraham called Ivri? We've talked about this before. Because Avraham alone stands up against the entire world. He's metaphorically standing on the opposite side of the river. There is the whole world on one side and Avraham is on the other side. His own father is like the idol worshiper extraordinaire, is like the seller of idols. He has this whole idol shop. Very famous Medrash talks about how Avram went at the age of three or so, destroyed the whole shop, got rid of all of it because Avram at such a young age, such a tiny age, literally this, the, the age of my third kid, my daughter, I can't imagine, three years old, destroys the whole shop. When his father comes in, Avram says, I didn't do it. And, and Terach, his father says, who did it? And Avram says, the idols did it to another. Of course, Terach gets furious, probably gave him a nice, uh, a nice knock on the head and said, what are you talking about? And Avram says, you see, if the idols can't do it, why do you serve them? They have no power. Avram, of course, realized at a very young age to be that every, to be the person that finally recognized Hashem. And of course, Pirkei Elvis teaches us he required, he acquired the schar of all the generations before him who were increasingly upsetting Hashem. Avram was that person that was able to be on the other side. How often in life do we need to stand up and be on that other side? How often in life are we challenged with our Jewish identity? In the world stage, of course, Israel is at the core of so many things that people are pointing against them, accusing them against them. In the UN itself, how many resolutions are put against Israel, how many resolutions are put against the tiny country, the Jewish place where there are so many other barbaric, terrible nations doing much, much, much worse things. And these are not even things that are able to be pinpointed. They just want to throw anti-Semitism at them. How often is Israel identified and targeted? How often are we as Jewish people identified as targeted? We could try as much as we can to hide our Jewishness. We should do that. But even if you try, people will always know. People will always recognize your Jewishness. Instead of trying to hide it, stand up and be proud of your Jewish identity, the Jewish identity in your life. When you walk around, you have this beautiful privilege, this beautiful opportunity to stand up and be wherever you go, on your way to work, on your way back from work, at work, when you're out and about in your town. I personally wear a hat on the way to and from work for safety reasons oftentimes throughout my years working in the doe seven plus years i've been in very bad neighborhoods so i wear a hat elsewhere but always in the school i always take off that hat and i proudly show my kippa proudly show my jewishness and i'm i'm asked questions all the time about different things and i have to stand up for the jewish identity for understanding we are ambassadors to hashem whether you're on a college campus and people who are living there have much difficulties living there they have much to deal with and much to stand up for they've david project is a wonderful organization that helps out with that stand with us does great work one israel fund around the world especially in israel does great work there's so many organizations that can help that could give that jewish identity that could give that ability to stand up for 
for the Jewish ideals. If Moshe, in the words of Eschanan, if Moshe is held accountable for not owning up to his Jewish identity one time when he's with Zipporah's daughters and going to Israel, asked who he is and hiding it and saying that he's a, a, a Egyptian man instead of saying Israelite. If one time he said that he's held accountable that he cannot even be buried in Israel, how much more so in our lives do we have to live the Jewish identity? Do we have to breathe the Jewish identity? Do we have to take that Jewish identity and run with it and be proud of it? Don't hide your Jewishness at work and beyond. Don't be ashamed of your Jewishness, chas v'shalom. Be proud. Be embracing the Jewish identity. They say that when a Jew respects his own identity, the non-Jew respects the Jewish ideals and the Jewish identity. When the Jew is embarrassed and ashamed of his own identity, then the non-Jew will jump on that and try to capitalize on that, God forbid, in the worst case scenario. You know that throughout history, as much as a person tries to hide it, whether it was in the Inquisition times or the Crusader times or the Murano times, or whether it was in recent history during the Yamach Shemot times in the World War II and the Holocaust. In the end of the day, a person who hates Jews doesn't care if they're religious or not religious, doesn't care if they're a chassid or doesn't care if they're a chiloni, doesn't care if they're really observant or not observant. Yamach Shemot rounded up every single Jew he could try to find from the most ultra-uber-orthodox to the most secular Jew on earth. Every single Jew had that pintalagir, has that living spark of Hashem. He didn't care. They don't care. The enemies don't care. But we definitely need to care. We need to carry that Jewish identity. We need to embrace ourselves and walk in the ways of Hashem, proudly doing mitzvahs, proudly doing chesed, proudly doing Torah learning in our days and in our ways, whatever we can do, using technology to make great things. When I tell people that I have these podcasts, that I do these shows, I have this radio show, they're impressed in some way and they think it's very cool. You know, I thought the Jewish people didn't do that thing. I thought they didn't use those things. I thought they didn't have technology. I didn't know that you could be very with it and very, very with the times and still be a practicing Orthodox Jew. How cool is that, that you use technology and podcasts to spread your message of the Bible, of the Torah? That is humbling. That is cool. Very impressed with what you do. In my previous location, that's exactly what happened. I explained to people that I felt a pull towards radio, towards audio. Wanting to use it for Torah. And they're like, that's very cool that you can use technology. I didn't realize that Jewish people, Orthodox people use technology and that they're with it and they know what's going on. And they're very timely and worldly. Yes, we are. And yes, we can. And yes, we should. We need to stand up and use our Jewish identity. The Jewish identity. Va'et Hanan teaches us. The word Va'et Hanan teaches us that Moshe prayed 515 times in Gematria to be allowed into the land of Israel because he did not stand up when he was asked by the daughters of Yisro, by Yisro, who are you? What is your identity? What do you stand for? And instead of saying that I'm an Israelite, I'm an Ivri, I'm a Jew, I'm a Hebrew, he said I'm an Egyptian. He was faulted all the way at the end of his life, 80 or so years later, even whatever years later, that he's not allowed to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. We need to grab that Jewish identity. Who are you? What are you? Do you say that I'm an American and then a Jew? I'm an American Jew? Or do you say I'm a Jewish American? What is your first answer? Who are you? What are you? What do you stand for? What is your identity? What is your connection to this world? I am a proud Jew. I happen to live in America, but I stand by the ideals of the Torah, doing mitzvahs, doing chesed, doing Torah learning day in and day out, trying to make the world a better place, trying to be Mikadashim Shemaim. Don't mess up the 
priorities. Don't mess up your identities. Understand the Jewish identity. Understand the purpose that we are here in this world. Va'et Hanan, 515 times Moshe prays to reverse the decree. Hashem says, you didn't stand up for your Jewish identity. You don't get to be buried in the Jewish land. The Jewish land where Zohar to have after so many years. 1948, it was re-given to us. It was re Born to us, basically, and the, the land thrives for so many years. Mark Twain even shows that it was barren and desolate. And finally, when the Jewish people came back, the land became lush. The land became available and usable and green. Beautiful, beautiful green. Only once the Jewish people became back. When we're tied to the Jewish land, we're tied to the Jewish identity. We stand up for what we believe and then others will respect us for believing in what we believe. And if we try to hide it, we try to run away from it, others will not respect us by and large. And I'll tell you, I've never had negative things, God forbid, and we should never know from such things in low land and we should never have such things. But Baruch Hashem, by wearing the keep at work, it reminds me who I am and others can see who I am. And thank God there haven't been negatives from wearing that outside out and about when there are crazy people traveling to and from. It's another thing, a safety concern. But when we are at work, when we are at the world and we are at large and we're walking around, we go to the bank, have our kippah, we go to get our coffee, have our kippah. You say, thank you, have a nice day. You show a little bit of a spark. You stand up the Jewish identity. The Jewish people are such nice people. Giving people do that. That's real. Real, Mikadashem Shemaim. Stand up for that Jewish identity. Identify yourself first and foremost as a Jew, a practicing Jew, a loving Jew, a happy Jew. Someone who's happy with his identity, happy with Judaism, happy with standing up for Hashem. By and large, then we should be Zochah to always inherit the land, to always have the land, and that we should be Zochah to finally have Mashiach come speedily in our days. May that day in fact be today. Amen, via amen, via amen. Hopefully, we will see Mashiach in our days. This has been the TTP, Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.